0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast episode 494 and it's the first guest episode of 2023. And I've had this one locked in place for a minute because I got the chance to talk to one of my favourite actors and they turned out to be one of my favourite people. And we had such a good chat. We talk acting, we talk just life, we talk balance and we talk disability and and kind of mental health when campaigning we talk a lot of stuff I'm joined today by Ruth Madeley, who proper blew me away in years and years and has just done so much good stuff I'm such a fan um has announced some amazingly exciting things recently as well since we had this conversation but um yeah you're going to be seeing a lot more of Ruth and rightfully so but um I kind of realised we needed to have a podcast chat off the back of some of the disability campaigning that Ruth was doing and the disability campaigning I was doing with Stammer because Stammer is the British Stammering Association and it has been a big thing recently because it feels like because of people like Ruth, we're starting to make ground on getting more di- di- disability representation and awareness in TV and film. But stammers really feel like something that's being left behind. So we get into all of that, basically. I won't bore you with it now. We're going to have a genuinely uh, engaging and not not a conversation that isn't going to make anyone feel guilty <laughs> for being able-bodied or for being able to speak fluently. Um, it's not that kind of conversation. This is just, yeah, it's lovely. As ever, we're, we're brought to you by SpeechDevelopmentRecords.com. That's where you can get all my merch. Patreon.com forward slash Scroobius Pip is where you can support the podcast for a dollar a month. And Twitch.tv forward slash Scroobius is where you can keep up on all the mad things I'm doing of late. If you're not a fan of gaming, I recommend you go over to my Twitch and watch in the collections or in the highlights or something. You go to videos and collections. Either watch the a Twitchmas Carol or the Blair Twitch project because they're basically little f- films. So yeah, give them a look. They're free. It's all free. Yeah, I want to tell you now as well, I've got a bonus episode coming out on Friday because I wanted to give you a double hit of goodness. It's with the amazing Lenny Rush who really jumped to people's attention in Am I Being Unreasonable on the BBC. Lenny's 12 and we talk for about 30, 40 minutes and he's one of the most considerate, articulate kids of people I've had on the podcast. Lenny is also doing a lot for disability awareness through kind of campaigning and interviews, but also just through the amazing work he's doing. So, yeah, we've got a really cool double whammy of guests to start the year off. We've got loads more good st- stuff to come. So, I'll tell you more about that soon enough. But for now, this is episode 494 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with the wonderful Ruth Madeley. structure this is to is and then we're good to go we're going um I'm here today with Ruth Madeley. how are you I'm great how are you I'm really good it's really w- w- weird on these because kind of the more excited I am to talk to someone I've not met before almost the more rude I seem at first because I'm quite great. straight away have you got headphones and let's get recording because I want to get it all on on the podcast, you know?
1: I'm all for it. I do apologise in advance because my dog has just come in from his walk and he wants to be involved, clearly.
0: What is your, is your dog's name? What, what kind of dog?
1: He's a British bulldog and he's called Boo. Love it. And yes, you want to be involved, don't you? So I, I, if, if he lies down snoring, that's what that
0: noise is. <laughs> that's absolutely... F- Fine. Well, to kick things off, like, how are you? How are you at the moment? Again, it's, I know it sounds, it's such a cliche, but that question seems to have added so much weight post pandemic. Because, and (laughs) I mean, not to get too heavy, but but, but under a Tory government, under all these different things, it's a genuine question. How are you? How are you in yourself? Um, Are you well?
1: You know what? I'm all right. There's been a few points this year where it's been touch and go. I'm not going to lie. But I think. What helps is me putting the Christmas tree up. That has really helped. (laughs) I love it. Proper Buddy the Elf over here. That's me. So, no, I am feeling very good.
0: I've got a big confession here. I just went over to to the corner. There's a corner of my room I don't go into that much, okay? Right. And it's where I put the Christmas tree normally. And I was just over there moving a few things around. And I saw some pines on the floor (gasps) from last year's Christmas tree.
1: I wouldn't worry. We're still picking I mean, bits up from last year it's, as well.
0: It's, it's perfectly timed now because I can just put the new one up and it's, it's all. I, 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 I can cl- clean it up in January. But yeah, I looked and went, oh man,
1: they're going to have new ones. <laughs> so.
0: It's
1: all good. It's all good.
0: Well, before we get into all of the big conversations, there's, there's loads I want to talk to you about, but I really want to talk to you about Home Alone Lego. <gasps> How, how's that coming along? I saw you post Mate. about this. I'm really annoyed. I almost had Lego... Sp- Sponsor me a few months back, and I was like, "Look, can you send me some stuff?" And they went with another podcast instead because I've never, I've, I've never got into grown-up Lego as such. But there's loads of good shit. I like I go in the Lego store in London when I'm up there; it's amazing.
1: Honestly, I have looked at this this Home Alone house for years. I own no other Lego, literally nothing, and. I got. So, I've been so excited about this Home Alone house for years, and then me and my, my, the other half were in um were in America a couple of months back, and I saw the Home Alone house in real life, and it was all lit up, and it was oh, perfect. Wow. So I was like, I was like, I don't care that that is what I'm getting. I'm I'm actually buying it, and I did. And it's uh, to be fair, it probably isn't the Christmas tree that's made me feel a lot better about life. It's probably the Home Alone house. I've but we yeah. built we built the the <laughs> the bottom the the first. The ground floor is looking very I nice it. now. Honestly, like, I'm it. beyond obsessed with it. The plan was that it would be me, mine and Joe's new Christmas tradition. We'd get it out at the beginning of December and we'd build it every Christmas. Once this is built, it will take Beautiful. so much for me to break that up and put it in the loft. I think it might just have yeah. to stay there for the entire year.
0: Yeah. The traditional be buying all the other houses on the street. Um, <laughs> this is
1: the problem. I I feel like I've started something that I won't be able to control now. But no, it is the best thing I have ever bought.
0: <laughs> Genuinely, it's, it I, I think the reason I've not bought any is that exact worry that you've expressed there. It's like I won't be able to stop because there's been a few different like film cars I've looked at, a few different buildings, all that kind of thing. See, and I'm like, this is it. Man, well, Joe's already talking
1: now. He wants the Back to the Future DeLorean. He wants everything now. So I think I think I think I've. Uh, I've created a monster.
0: <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. I'm excited to see the rest unfold. Well, there's loads I want to talk to you about. As I've touched upon in our, in our messages, I'm a big fan.
1: Oh, well, the feeling is mutual. I
0: love it. So I, I definitely want to talk about years and years. I want to talk about the accident. I want to talk about fresh meat, save me. We probably won't get through all of it. But one of the things that made me find you on Instagram... And it feels like a good topic to start with, having, I've just been doing a lot of campaigning with Stammer, mm-hmm. the British Stammering Association, about the representation of st- the Stammering in TV and film, because it really mm-hmm. feels like like there's loads of areas that really need improving, but st- Stammering almost feels like the one that's le- left behind in a lot of the movements. Like, there's it's, it's not really added on to anything else. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your work for disability representation and kind of, I guess... C- Can you tell me your story? Because your work for disability representation starts as a child and continues now. So kind of, yeah, can you fill me and the listeners in?
1: Sure. So uh, I was born with my disability. I've got spina bifida and Mm -hmm. uh, that developed into scoliosis, which is curvature of the spine. So I've uh, used a wheelchair pretty much all my life. I'm an ambulatory wheelchair user, so I can walk a few steps as well. And I just, I grew up knowing that I never saw anyone who looked like me on TV. I was always very yeah. aware of that. I went to a mainstream school where there was no other kids who were in wheelchairs at primary school. And so I've always known that I was different, but I've been very privileged to have grown up in, in an environment where that wasn't seen as as, as a negative thing on the whole. Yeah. It was, it was uh, and I've always had really strong friendship groups. But I think the reason that I'd become, you know, quite immersed in in the importance of representation is because at age five, uh, the children's charity Whiz Kids bought me my first wheelchair. It was bespoke. Yeah. It was bright pink. It, I looked like Barbie. It was heaven. And I, I saw from a very young age what having the right mobility equipment could, how that could dramatically improve. Yeah my life, uh, my friendship groups, because I was able to participate in more things because I had the freedom to move. And uh, so I became really involved with Whiz Kids and a lot of the stuff, that their services for children. And then I volunteered as a young adult and I ended up being employed by them. So that was my first full-time job.
0: It's such an important area and thing to talk about and address because it's realising that as so many things in <laughs> as a society we touched upon it briefly earlier class comes into it and wealth and and you know accessibility to accessibility if you know That's what i mean so thing. it's 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 so weird that there's these things that that Absolutely. you clearly need and will change your life but unless you can afford it you're getting the basics or or whatever else i've got a friend who, who came on the podcast angel J- 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 jufria who's got an amazing robotic arm and they had a terrible situation mm-hmm. re- 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 recently, a few years back. And I won't go into it in huge detail, but the company who had provided it to her had changed ownership and asked for it back. And it was like oh this my God. young woman, this has been her arm for four or five years. This is, it's literally a part of her. And she had to go through the process of packing her arm up and posting it back because it's, it's so expensive and she couldn't afford it. And she got some kind of leniency on it because she was... A representative, um, a campaigner, an influencer—all these kinds of things. But at some point, the, the fact that someone could turn around and say, "You've got to give you your arm back because you don't have the the, the wealth," to ha- I know, it's horrific. I mean, stuff like that just bl- it blows my mind.
1: It does. I'm just as a sidebar. I adore Angel. I think she's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but in the same way, like my when my dad and my mom first heard about Whiz Kids, and what they saw this barbie pink wheelchair at some kind of um, mobility kind of roadshow thing and my yeah. dad was fully he was like well then i'm clearly going to sell my kidney on the black market so we would be able to afford this yeah. this is what we're going to do because we we weren't yeah. in a position to be able to afford this and that's when we heard about of whiz kids because without that charity uh, there was no way we'd be uh, mobility equipment is so expensive that there was just yeah. no way that we would i was in a really heavy didn't fit me properly chair from the nhs at the time because because that was what was on offer. So yeah. it, it is really important to, to recognize that if you're disabled, if you have money, you can live a lot better, which is terrifying and so wrong.
0: Yeah, it really is. And 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 I guess how have you seen, as I said, from being working with them from an early age as well, how have you seen things change? societally because again the big misrepresentation is that a disability restricts you from interacting with things and it's not that it's the way those things are put together it's the accessibility to those things that restrict you a wheelchair allows you to access these things it's the stairs that cause the problem or it's this or that or all these other things so but it does feel as if kind of in your lifetime i guess it has become a lot more of a focus when new buildings are being built and things like this. You know, it becomes more of a focus on making sure accessibility is taken into account, even gigs and touring. I always remember that kind of being a change when I was doing my music that I'd realised so many early days gigs are in like a room above a pub and it's Mm -hmm. a grotty old pub. And we had to kind of go, right, well, how can anyone who has a disability that wants to attend get here and if they, they can't, can't then we need to look at something else yeah we need we need to look at other options and things mm-hmm. like that and i think that was yeah it has been a change obviously it's not <laughs> a finished job i but.
1: i look i i always i'm very much about celebrating every little victory and i do think that i've seen huge changes in a lot of areas in my lifetime i've also seen some things stop and some things get worse and yeah. I do think that we've got a really good foundation of change being able to happen. And I think conversations are being had a lot more now and things are being spoken about a lot more. Sadly, I don't think, I mean, I'm, one of my biggest flaws is I'm super impatient. So I will never think that things are happening <laughs> same, quick enough.
0: Same, I will yeah, never yeah, think
1: yeah. that things are happening quick enough. But I do think that we're a lot further than we were last year. And next Mm -hmm. year will hopefully be further than we are now. So, yeah, I do think there is still so much to be done, but there is massive differences that I've seen, especially in in terms of representation since I was a child and knowing Mm -hmm. that I didn't see anyone who looked like me on screen. But, yeah, we're nowhere near where we need to be, but we are on the way. And I think that's the best way to put it.
0: I completely agree. And as weird as it sounds, (laughs) this is the stupidest sentence that you're going to hear. I'm excited. This week, it. one of the keys to representation is representation, and let, let me explain that a bit more, right? Because it, it it has to be shown that this needs to become the norm, not just mm-hmm. a one-off action or statement. And I know from working with Stammer that on Stammering Awareness Day. I'm asked on the news, I'm asked on the radio, I'm asked on all these places for Stammering Awareness Day. And we talk about all the positive change that needs to be done. And then the next day, the next day we've moved on to something else. And it's like, no, that's not.
1: But this is the point. That's I think not what it's about. Well, if, on the 3rd of December, it was um, International Disability Day. And mm-hmm. I saw the best tweet ever from. One of my idols, Liz Carr, who is just the most phenomenal woman and disability advocate and actress, everything that you can imagine, and she said, um, "International Day of Disability is purely for us, for disabled people. It is not for people um, or businesses to feel good about themselves because they have a ramp." And I just Actually, thought that was day, the, yeah, and I thought that was the yeah. best thing because it, it it really does get frustrating when you see. I mean, it's the same with everything, not just disability. You see. Oh, we'll have a day to champion this, but what about all the other days of the year when you're doing absolutely nothing? You can't just yeah. have it for one day and say, "Oh, aren't we great?" Because we've done this, 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 and this today. It's not about doing the 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 bare minimum to make yourself look good. It's about changing institutional issues that the the stuff at the very bottom and rebuild everything. And yeah, so I completely get what you mean about it being one day and aren't we great? <laughs>
0: And and again, I get you as well on the on who these things are for, okay. because I find that to be a really interesting conversation as well. Because I've only just kind of come to some realizations on that of myself, like with stammering in particular. It's something the like w- 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 <laughs> as an example. You're aware of disability. You're, you're quite aware of it. You you, you don't really need it. that much extra awareness. You know what's going on. Same with me with my stammer. But the realisation I had was that, so 1% to 2% of, of adults in the UK st- st- stammer, right? And the representation mm-hmm. is appalling. Like in a recent YouGov survey, I think it was like 59% of people couldn't name a single character who stammers only 2% could name five. And in the top five people named were Forrest Gump and Rain Man who don't have stammers, um, of course. which was amazing. But the big thing that I was talking about a lot on International Stammer and Awareness Day was for people who stammer, the awareness isn't, for, isn't only for that one, 2%. It's for the 98, 99% who don't have stammers, but don't encounter them. Because a stammer is something that, is massively misunderstood and people don't know how to act. You'll have it constantly being a wheelchair user, mm-hmm. people crouching down or putting an arm on you. Do you know what I mean? Being really like, again, you don't have to do any of that. And the awareness is about making everyone aware and, and making them not feel awkward. Like I'm, I'm not having a go at anyone here. I completely understand that when someone I don't know is talking to me and I'm stammering a lot, they're going to panic. They're going to think, oh, how can I help? Let me help. What yeah. Can I do? Shall I finish the sentence? Shall I give you, shall I try and relax you? And people don't realise, again, I, I talked about this on a recent episode. People often assume, I had a few messages a year or two into my podcast from people saying, is everything all right? Because you're stammering more on the podcast. And I was like, right, what you don't understand is I'm stammering more because I'm more relaxed. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not hiding it anymore. I spent years of my career hiding Absolutely. it. Absolutely the fact I'm stammering more isn't that I'm having a stressful time in life and I'm like, and the assumption is you're nervous if you're stammering. It's like, no, I feel relaxed with you lot now. That's mm, a exactly. nice thing. You know, it should be a positive, but that's kind of one of my big realizations on awareness and representation is the more kids mm-hmm. see people in wheelchairs that it's not a key part of their character. It's not their main thing. It's not their main struggle. And you've been, You've played some characters that epitomise that, where it's not, oh, here's the wheelchair character. It's, Absolutely no, this character right. happens to have a wheelchair. Here's the mum. Here we are again. So we had a bit of a technical <laughs> issue there, and we both kind of went into slow motion. And I could see you moving slowly. I could see and, the same
1: with you. It sounded yeah. really robotic. And then, like, then it was underwater. And then, oh uh, yeah, anyway, here we are.
0: Well, but... Basically, I was yammering on about representation. You were yammering on about representation, as we do. But (laughs) before we uh, wind that up, can you tell me about some of your your more recent kind of campaigns and speeches and events and stuff like that?
1: Sure. So I think the most recent was at BAFTA, sponsored by uh, Disney and ITV. And it was called About Time. And it was looking at the importance of telling disabled stories but how not just telling them but how they're told and that they should be told authentically yeah. and um not in a stereotypical way and of course they should be told by disabled people. So that was really, really exciting to there was my first hosting as well, which was very fun and scary. Yeah. And I think I made it four minutes without swearing. I dropped the F bomb within like the first four fucking <laughs> minutes. And it was yeah so that 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 um broke the ice in the room so that was quite nice in front of all the yeah. disney execs yeah. great but yeah so that was that was really great way to, to 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 allow disabled people to show how their stories how, how they want their stories to be told yeah. it felt a bit those things always feel quite weird at first cuz it feels like um, you have to kind of beg for roles you know stand up there and show people that you're actually good at what you do but it didn't feel like that at the same time it was more of a yeah. Because the, one of the biggest things that annoys me and other disabled people as well, and uh, as I'm sure you'll feel the same, is wh- whenever we talk about representation, the importance of it, all the execs at the top of this tree sit there and go, well, where do we find these actors? Where do we find these people? There just aren't any. Well, how fucking, how yeah. fucking lazy is that? And it, it's yeah. just so boring when you hear that. And we just wanted to kind of shine a light on the fact that you find disabled talent the exact same way you'd find non-disabled talent Mm -hmm. you go and you put the work in and you look in the right places
0: and and it's key to why representation isn't just about here's the film about the girl in the wheelchair it's about because again i completely understand when people will argue well we need a A big hollywood in the lead it's like i get that yeah but that Name wasn't always a name. It's what comes first. They came up playing small roles. Exactly. So again, that's what we need. The more uh, you know, supporting characters who have disabilities, things like that, then you build these actors who are then the big, you know, the big name. That's the thing.
1: It's, how can anybody become a big name if they're not given the work to become the big name? It's just, it just, yeah. it it blows my mind that that people, some people still argue that that is the right way to do things. I'm like, no, no, for crying out loud. And and disabled, this is the thing, disabled people can lead stories. Disabled people can lead stories that are not just about disability, but that have a disability as an incidental part of the character. Yeah. And that yet, like you said, the more we have the, the hopefully fewer and far between those conversations, those boring, tired, old conversations are going to become.
0: Well, um. I am going to move on from the campaigning, but one of the things I wanted to ask you because again I, I've loved so much of the work you've done Thank you. um, on screen and off screen. I wanted to ask you how the campaigning side of things, how you find it m- m- mentally, because I've 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 realised since becoming more of a campaigner in this area that I have to really keep an eye on on my mental mm-hmm. health during this these things because I have real ups and downs because I sometimes don't want to feel like I'm defined by having a stammer. And when I'm campaigning, obviously I have to be. That's kind of part of it. But if I've been doing a load of campaigns for a while, I'll then start to think, well, I don't want to be the stammering actor. And again, similarly, you should be up for roles that don't have a wheelchair in the script. You know, you're you're an actor. It should be a, a, a secondary thing. Yeah, I guess, yeah, how do you find that balance? Because it's as I said, it's a weird thing that I've found in recent years that I need to, I'd the people at Stammer are amazing, but I've had to talk to them and say, look, at points I need time off because I don't want to feel like, again, as you say, feel like that my campaigning is me begging for my, work for me. It's not, it's about representation. Absolutely. But I happen to also be an actor. You so. know
1: what, I, I, I'll be honest, I find it really, really hard and I have done from this, yeah. uh, and uh, I would say... As much as I have always had a passion for it and always been involved in it, I was kind of reluctant when I came in the industry to become the spokesperson for it, Mm -hmm. for disability, and become the person who everybody went to to ask about disability. Because, one, because I, like you said, I didn't want to be seen that that's all I could do and that's all I was good for. But also, when you're one of the few that are getting the bigger roles, as you know mm-hmm. it's really hard. I, i'm i'm an expert in my own disability i am not an expert in anybody else's and i yeah. i get things wrong all the time i get yeah. things wrong i'm learning all the time just like everybody else whereas um i think if you're seen as that spokesperson i worry that i will not represent people properly because i can't represent mm. everybody uh, that, uh, because I'm not an expert I'm not a di- you know uh, I'm not right. a disability consultant yeah, 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 yeah. I am just somebody who has a lived experience of spina bifida and scoliosis and of being a wheelchair user that is my experience Yeah, yeah. but then I think as my career went on I realized that I as much as on the days when I don't, it's, it's, you know what it's like. It's exhausting being the teacher. You you can't just you mm. can never just go to work and do your job. You have to be the teacher. You have to educate. You have to because yeah. whether you want to or not, that's just what you have to do because there are there are not enough of us working in the industry to make it you know ordinary. But then I realized that I'm in a position. I'm in a very privileged position where I'm I'm working constantly. I'm working a lot. So. Yeah. Whether I like it or not, I I I I I do it because I want to make it easier for the people coming in after me. That's not to say it's easy because it really isn't. Um, some days I find it easier yeah. than others. Yeah, some days I'm like, yeah, let's campaign. I want to I want to set the world on fire. I want to change everything. You know, make this the whole world because if it's more accessible for us, it's more accessible for everybody. Accessibility benefits everyone. Yeah. But then you do have some days where it's just, I just wanna say my fucking lines and go
0: home. <laughs> I just wanna make a film. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. I just wanna do the oh, art. Yeah, part and of it's it.
1: real so that's really so, some days are a lot easier than others. But um I think, yeah, I I I understand I do have to watch it. And I can't and I yeah. think in lockdown, um it became very, I became a lot more kind of campaigny, especially on social media. I did become a lot more. Uh, uh, you know consuming a lot more information because you know we weren't working and and it it did kind of get to me a little bit so i i do have to watch definitely i get what you mean and so it's about finding a balance and knowing and knowing and realizing and accepting that it's not just my responsibility just like it's just not your responsibility it's everybody has to change things as a collective and i sometimes have to check myself and remember you know, you can't do all this on your own and you shouldn't have
0: to it's not all on you yeah yeah completely but that's the industry that we're in isn't it oh my god totally we're we're bred to think why am i getting that role why if i'm not if i'm not a superstar yet i'm not doing
1: enough that and that's what i exactly i'm not doing enough enough is something that i always have to uh really watch myself because i say that to myself a little bit too much
0: yeah I feel you. So so what was your route into acting as a kid? Was acting always what you wanted to do or was it just... uh, (laughs) When did it happen? What was the... What did you want to do originally?
1: Mate, it was a complete accident. I'm not joking. My career is an accident. No, it was... I've always loved storytelling. Storytelling was something I've always been fascinated in. And my first ever award at primary school was for writing. I loved writing. I loved reading, storytelling characters, everything like that. So, and then knowing that I never saw anyone who looked like me on screen, I knew I wanted to be part of changing disability representation in the media. And I studied script writing at university. So I thought that I always knew I wanted to be in the industry, but I never thought in front of camera was my place.
0: Right.
1: And I don't know whether that was because I didn't, well, I, d- I never saw my... I d- it's like, it's almost like I didn't ever think it was an option. I didn't even think about it. So it, But at the same time, it wasn't something where I looked at it and thought, oh, I can't do that. Hmm. It wasn't even on my radar. It yeah. was not on yeah, my yeah, radar yeah, yeah. at all. So I was doing some work experience at BBC and I met a producer when I was... I think I'd yeah, just come out of the university and I was just doing some work experience at BBC in the script editing team, I think, or something like that. And I met a producer that said, oh, they need a wheelchair user for a CBBC drama that they're putting on. Do you want to just go just because you're here? (laughs) Any wheelchair user will do. And I
0: was going to say, that really steers into the, how do we find these actors? It's like just look around, I guess, just pick the first person you see.
1: (laughs) It it, Honestly, it was hysterical. It's like, you're here, you go. And I went purely (laughs) to be nosy. I just thought, yeah. oh great! I'm going to meet. Um, I'm going to meet another director. I'm going to meet a producer. Another producer. I'm going to go and expand my contacts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just thought, so it's a networking opportunity. It's terrible, and I went in and I did the audition. I remember thinking, actors are insane. Why would they willingly put themselves through this? I'm terrified. What on earth is wrong with these people? Why would you do yeah. this to yourself willingly all the time? But then you got the adrenaline rush, you see, yeah. and. I, I I was like, oh, that, that uh, yeah, and then I got the job. I don't know how much it, how much that says about my acting ability or how terrible everybody else was. I'm not sure, <laughs> but I got it. Or oh, how
0: lazy the casting was! If as said, if this one producer is
1: just like, you know, she's here, she's
0: we'll
1: here, she's Why down. not? <laughs> but when I fell in love with it was when I when I worked on set. Hmm. That was when I yeah. got the real yeah. buzz for it, and I just thought. I want to do this again. I want to do it. But but at the same time, as much as I wanted to do it again, I never envisaged it being my full-time job. I didn't think it was a sustainable way to make a living. Yeah, I just thought it would be something that I could do on the side and keep building contacts while I work for WizKids because I was working at WizKids full-time as well. So I never saw, I just thought I genuinely saw it as something fun to do on the side. And and then I went, I got after that, um, I got a small roll in fresh meat which was yeah. great.
0: Again, amazing series and that's the series that uh, me, uh, me and my partner have been re-watching it recently and it is a pool of talent. Like, I saw Nicole Le- Lecky in there who did Mood recently which was amazing. Uh, Gemma Chan who's done a million things, all in these small kind of background roles and things like that. You like, I know. Wow, these are all people that when I watched it the first time round, obviously I didn't know who they were, and then so many people from that show, not even, obviously included the the main cast, have just yeah g- g- gone on to more and more wonderful things.
1: That was amazing. So I I went and did that, and I'd got a, by that point I was just like in like producers who I'd worked with helped me find an agent and. After fresh meat, I didn't do anything for a good few years. I, really? I did, right. I didn't chase it because I just didn't think it was a sustainable. I, it was nothing that I felt like I could live off. So I yeah. thought, well, I've got a full time job. And then I think a few years later, a script fell on my agent's desk, and it was called "Don't Take My Baby," written yeah. by Jack Thorne. Yeah, and um, it was a lead which I'd never experienced auditioning for a lead before, although I was Mary in my primary school nativity, which I think <laughs> set me up for life, really. And I read the scripts and I was like, I will fight people in the street for this role. I yeah. have to play this role. Yeah. And my agent at the time, she said, if you get this, everything changes. And it did. Yeah. And that was when I thought, I have to do this for the rest of my life. But after saying that, I I worked constantly after having... Don't take my baby. But I only quit my full-time job for WizKids in 2019. It's mad, isn't it? So I I just, I kept, I juggled both. I took time off in lieu. I did annual leave. I I worked evenings. I did like, I think, how did I do that now? How did I juggle Mm. that? But um, the bigger the roles got for me, the more I realised, okay, yeah. I, I took a sabbatical when I got years and years. Yeah, that's how recent I, it was that I am mad, isn't it? Exactly, because I I knew that I had to give my everything to that show because it was such a big thing and it was a big role. Mm-hmm. And then, whilst I was on the years and years, I got a role in um, the accident, mm. and so I asked for an extension on my sabbatical. <laughs> and I, I remember them saying, "I think." I think you're an actor now. I think you're
0: leaving. I I don't think this is a sabbatical.
1: It's not a sabbatical anymore, love. Um, (laughs) But I genuinely have never been more terrified in my life when I said, yeah, this is going to be my only source of income. This is how I'm going to pay my mortgage. Was it the right thing to do? Absolutely, 100% the right time, and I've never looked back. Was it the most terrifying thing? Yes, it was the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life to say, yep, this is my job. And as well, I had a massive, I mean, I I think we all have it. Of course we do. Uh, massive imposter syndrome. And then it yeah. felt really odd for me to, when people say, what do you do for a living? And I say, I'm an actor. It sounded so alien and so weird and uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, because I didn't train. I literally, you know, fell into it in a very different way. But the more I meet people and the more I've kind of become more embedded in the industry, the more I'm fascinated by people's stories about how they got into this. It just, I love it. I love hearing those stories.
0: So I I couldn't relate more on the uncomfortableness and the feeling that it's not, I I still have that concern. It's such a, I honestly think any time I have to tell someone I'm an actor, it's a trap. That's being played on me, like, 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 because genuinely, I'll say, Oh, I'm an actor, and again, I don't want to talk about it because I feel so awkward. Me, and then too. they'll push. What have you worked what, what, on? What,
1: what have I and seen you in? It, I don't know. You'll be this. You in. I did
0: this. Oh, who have you worked with? You'll say a name, or n- name dropping, like, you've literally yeah, exactly. forced this out of me. You've forced this out of me, and now you're like, Oh, you worked for Tom Hardy, have you? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to
1: know, talk about it. I hate it. <laughs> it. It's exactly that is exactly how I feel. And you know what? Since I, because uh, I, when acting became, you know, th- what I was doing in the industry, my, I, I didn't write. I've not writing just kind of mm. went completely f- f- fell by the wayside because I thought we'll go back to writing when acting stops because this yeah. is going to be over by tomorrow. So we might yeah. as well just enjoy this while it happens. And we can always go back to writing another time. And then the acting just didn't stop. Yeah. So I um and my agent who I absolutely love, she's fantastic. She always kept saying to me, she was like, you really should be writing your own stuff now. You can do it. I'm like, no, 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 no. I did. Um, so when now that whole same thing where the uncomfortable, nature of telling people that you're an actor now i have it again with the whole when people say oh you're a writer and i go is no <laughs>
0: and that's and that's the weirdest one as well because with writing and i've got a load of scripts i'm working on and trying to develop at the moment i know all of that is purely in your own head as such, so until weird. it gets made until it gets made again i i generally exactly the same i'm not comfortable talking about it because i feel like i'm bullshitting that's I exactly feel like I'm so, going, so. Oh yeah, I'm a script writer. Oh, what have you made? Well, what have nothing. you
1: written? Exactly. I've nothing, written loads, but, I, I... <laughs>
0: but it's all it all goes on behind closed doors and it's
1: It's such a weird thing. And then I think with yeah. if, if I think about it too much, I think, good God, I, what that we're in a weird industry. What the hell are we doing?
0: It's all really odd, mate. It's all really, really strange. And as said, it's it's it, it was a weird jump. For, for me, from music in all respects, because in music you kind of, you do it and then it's out there. Whereas even with the acting, you do it and then it's not out for six months or a year or whatever else. You're like, I'm doing loads of work, but no one knows. And again, I'm not the type to be posting online constantly going, oh.
1: Look at me and oh my God, not at all. So like when people and uh, and and when other actors say, oh, so what are you working on? you go, don't. Ask me I don't like it it's yeah. horrible yeah. it's um yeah it's it's a very weird thing and I think it, it's always really refreshing to have these conversations because so often when you're in that imposter syndrome mind you think everybody else has got their shit together everyone knows what they're doing everybody is making millions apart yeah. from you and yeah, you're just yeah. sat here waiting for your stuff to come out that you filmed a year ago and yeah. it's and then the more you you actually vocalize it, and you have these conversations, you realise no one has a fucking clue what they're doing. We're all just we're all just having a bit of a mare, really, but we're also having a great time while we're Again, doing
0: it. It's beautiful because we've both kind of come from slightly outside of the world. Yeah. It takes you still have that outlook of the people on the street. Like I remember talking to um Doc Brown about this. Um, yeah. and he was saying. Like he walked down the street, and someone was like, "You live round here? Why do you live round here?" Because it he, he just had a film. He was in in the in 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 the Ricky Gervais David Brent film. Yeah, it's like well, it was it was one gig. Like, like it was a month's work. That's not. I can't then move to to, to to somewhere, but like it's not. That's not how this industry works. You could have something huge, but you could then not have anything for a year.
1: That's what I for mean. Two so years, when people kind of thing and. Where, so that's why when I'm out, when I'm talking to like um, young actors who are coming up, they're saying, "Oh, you're, you, ha, you know, you must you must not worry at all because you're constantly working." I'm like, for every job you, for every time you see me on TV, there's like twenty auditions that I didn't get that's yeah, gone before yeah, that. Yeah, 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 and yeah. I, and I I I'm a lot better now at the rejection side of things, a lot better. Yeah. But I, I remember at the beginning, I was like, "What the fuck am I doing? Why on earth? Are, who chooses this?" And then you realize that the highs are like ridiculously high, and there's nothing else on this planet that you want to do. But then you have to be able to mentally handle the the really shit parts of it as well, where you might not get a job for God knows how long.
0: Yeah, I was, I was watching an interview or a clip of an interview recently with Timothy Chalamet, and it's annoying because yeah. he's so talented, he's so hot, he's so young, and he's also wise. And he was exactly. he was talking about auditions and saying how he had the big realization that it's all part of of the same j- journey and most of the big gigs he's had these huge acting roles it comes with a producer who worked on something he didn't get but he made a good impression he he, he wasn't exactly. right for it but he made a good impression and he had years of exactly. making these good impressions thinking he was f- Failing and realizing, no, he was that's making it, those steps. Isn't he was it? climbing. Absolutely, and I think that's such an important thing for actors to uh, to realize. I was, I was lucky quite early on that a, a, I had some casting directors that were because they knew I'd come from another industry. Were really nice and kind of t- took me under their their wing a bit and explained bits like that. That it's like you're not going to get everything, but it's not because you're shit. And again, I'm lucky. I'm six foot four and I've got a big beard. I can go. Well, I'm not going to be right for everything, am I? So I can kind well, of that's
1: it, exactly. I,
0: I can excuse myself a bit. I I smashed it, but they probably didn't want a six foot four guy over beard. So
1: that, that's how I feel a lot of the time with the, with with being in a wheelchair. I was like, okay, yeah, so probably it's not going to work for that role. But yeah. um, and it's and it is it is definitely and I've all, I've come to really accept that just how many people are going for one role. Yeah. There is one space and. How on earth could you ever be expected to be right for everything? That is that is just crazy. So, uh, yeah, I definitely feel as I've as I've moved on in the industry, I've 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 definitely feel like I've accepted and learned so much. Like I've learned more in this industry, I think, than I ever have in my whole life about all manner of things. So, yeah, it's just really great to be able to chat those through and share those those experiences because so many people think that the industry is just fun and. Glamorous, and I'm like, if you think that filming is glamorous, you are very, very wrong. I got my... all, the st- all the stuff afterwards is great. Like the screenings, the premieres, the getting dressed up and sharing your work, that's all glamorous. Actually making the damn thing isn't
0: my, <laughs> at all. I, my goddaughter is really into into drama at school at the moment and I got her a little part in a, a small Netflix thing I did recently and it was two days of shooting and I enjoyed watching, kind of going, this is either going to make you fall in, in love with it or put you off yep. completely. Because it was I just so much, just waiting around so yep. much with nothing to do. And then mm-hmm. you have a quick go. And the key is that that quick go sets your heart on fire. And that's that's, that's for me. It's like, I'll wait around. I, had, I did a, a, a feature film a little while back and they got me in two days in a row and didn't get round to shoot yep. my scene, you've been but, there, yeah. But I was allowed to watch, so those were two of the best days I've had. I'm sitting there watching Woody Harrelson and and, and Naomi Harris and people like this, and just be like, don't call me, don't call like never call I'm me to say I'll just great yeah, time. I'll have Thank two you. weeks of watching you all, and then I'll do do my little scene and go home happy. Um,
1: exactly, and yeah, I think but, that's what we well, that's the, one of the joys of 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 our job is that we get to see such great things happen around us and yeah. it's amazing to even be a small part
0: of that or, or let's talk a little bit about y- years and years then speaking of great things cuz Russell T Davis is an icon the cast of Russell Tovey Lydia West Jessica Hines Emma Thompson Rory it just it's it was astounding how how was that Number one to be part of, and then number two, like like when it came out, because it really hit. It really, you know, it really it impacted. I know Russell a, a little bit. My partner still hasn't forgiven him for how much he made her cry in that show. Because it, it, honestly, See? we had to take a bit of a an evening off and 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 pick happy things to watch because it was incredibly emotional but what a show to be part of and what a character as well such a again we've i don't want to go back to representation but but representation should be about uh flawed characters um strong characters just such a variation and your character in their journey has all of that is an absolute hero at points is an absolute villain at points kind of thing and it's
1: and that's the thing i think one for me that Rosie, her, that character for me and the way years and years just as a show did that and the way that Russell and the team created that character, that for me is the benchmark for representation, how mm-hmm. it should be done. Um, it Rosie wasn't written as a wheelchair user. She wasn't written as yeah. anything in particular. She was a character. Mm-hmm. And they, um, I know that, that Andy Pryor, a fantastic casting team, They they saw lots of different people for, for that character and what was really interesting is Rose. it wouldn't have made a difference to the story in the sense of there was a lot going on in years and years so mm-hmm. the fact that my character ended up as a wheelchair user was kind of pretty low on the excitement scale yeah. <laughs>
0: but
1: um yeah. if Rosie had been blind or visually impaired if she'd been deaf it wouldn't if she'd have been an amputee, neurodivergent, it wouldn't have made a difference to the story and what happened. It would have just Mm. been a different part of her character, which I found really interesting. And when Russell and the team decided that they wanted to cast me, Russell T. Davis and I, we, we, we we just had a conversation about how much or how little of Rosie's story regarding her disability we would tell and we would share. Again, because, you know... There was a lot going on in years and years, and nobody wants to hear the backstory of why Rosie's in a wheelchair. It's just, it just became really. And No important. one needs
0: to. At no, times. exactly. Like, how rare I get asked of the backstory of having a beard, but the backstory really? of having a stammer. You know, it, it's it's we need to explain that. That needs have to be to. explained. Well, we, no, we don't need to. Explain no, we that. don't. We don't need to. We don't. You know, and that's the great to. thing.
1: And that. So I remember Russell saying to me. It's not, it, it doesn't feel right or real mm. to ignore it completely because that's weird, but we didn't have on screen a full-blown conversation about it, I think, till at four. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was just such a really fantastic way to showcase ambulatory wheelchair users, which I am. And So many times in the past I've been saying, well, maybe you should stay in your wheelchair because we don't want to confuse the audience. And all that stuff, all that bullshit. Um yeah. whereas this, it was just like, just move how you would move at your own house in your own house. And so that part of the job was so refreshing and so wonderful. And abs- something- I think
0: it absolutely is the benchmark, as as you say, because it's absolutely. not it's not trying to ignore it completely, but it's not over explaining it, it's just being completely four episodes in is perfect four exactly. episodes into to not have Five. mentioned it is, is yeah it's so good
1: and it's just there but the other side of the job was working with the team that we were with like when when they when I knew I'd got the part I still didn't know who everybody else had was cast so I yeah. found out um, about a week before and I was just completely blown away that I would be able to share the screen with these people who I'd watched for years on screen and yeah admired and it was pretty incredible and everybody was just divine they were just heaven to work with I could I it was such a weird thing because it was the first time I'd worked on an ensemble cast for that long yeah. that intent it, it was really intense work and then at the end of the job you just kind of don't see them for a while and it, it was a really strange it was a very strange feeling at the end
0: yeah it's really odd industry for that isn't it because th- The the nature of getting good performances means you really do have to have these intensely intimate relationships for a limited amount of time. And I know I've spoken to people who've got annoyed because they've felt it feels false that we were best friends a week ago and now we're not even talking at all. But it is the nature of the industry and I think I've been okay with it because of being a touring musician and the nature of that is you bump into someone who you haven't seen for 3 years and you're on the road together for a month and you just click back
1: there's it no is. kind
0: of there's no weirdness or awkwardness but i can completely understand all. how people can particularly in their in in those early jobs how people can feel a bit used or cast aside cuz again as Absolutely. you say you you got cast for your next job while on year's and year's so you i would imagine went onto a brand new family straight exactly. after that of really Beautiful, intense relationships and interactions.
1: And the thing is, you're not you're not always not every job is going to be like that where nah. you make you know because because you know different characters, different you know parts. It, it it's not always going to be like that, but I and think different what, kinds
0: of sets as well. The of tone course, on the set can vary massively for for good reason. You know?
1: Absolutely. So I, but but I I I know that if I can take like the the biggest thing I took away from years and years was I know that I could literally go out. For a drink with any of that cast, yeah, and just like you said, just click back in, click back in yeah. straight away and but also really like it we're all really supportive like of everyone else's job as well like when someone else gets gets a massive job it's really exciting and we you know we, we, we're all we're all doing the same job actors are all doing the same job and we're yeah. all just there to champion each other and cheerlead for each other really
0: yeah that's the that's again that's the outlook I've connected with people on it's also an industry that is almost set up to pit us against each other absolutely Um, and it shouldn't if every time I've had a good connection on set it's been with people who were like oh how it how dope is this this is cool oh you're doing this next oh I know this guy and it's all we're all pushing in the same direction rather than again I completely see how it can be natural to drop into jealousies and things things like that I spoke to to a a mate of mine recently, after he'd got a big, a huge Marvel role. And I said to him, it was beautiful, because I had about 45 minutes of being jealous of him. And I've never had it before. I've always just been, every time he's got anything, I've been like, oh, this is amazing. I had 45 minutes of being jealous of him, and I really quickly realised that it's because I was having a shit week. Yeah, <laughs> So it was purely, exactly. it was nothing to do with our relationship. It was purely, and then it nothing. snapped out and it went back to, ringing all my mates to say, have you seen what he's got? Have you seen this? This is amazing. So yeah, it's, that's how it's meant to be where there's, as you say, there's loads, there is loads of people going for a limited amount of roles, but that limit is rising (laughs) because of streaming, because of our need for content, our hunger for content. TV
1: and film, we, we absorb and we consume programming completely different now. And, and it's, it's a really exciting time for actors and creators and writers, any kind of creative who wants to put their work out there. It, it is. It's like the music industry, isn't it? It's completely different. We consume yeah. things completely yeah. differently now, and that's why I think now is the perfect time for for to increase all all sorts of representation. And there's kind of no excuse anymore. Yeah. <laughs> there's no excuse anymore. There's no excuse that, that that's valid anyway.
0: <laughs> You, you you touched on Disney earlier because of the thing, and I think they're one of the ones who are really important in representation. And mm-hmm. they really try. They don't always they do. get it right, but they've always they they really try. And I think that's the kind yeah. of thing that needs to be applauded. Like again, absolutely, people are gonna get it wrong along the way. But Disney and now Marvel and all the things under their their bracket, Star Wars, all of that do push to have. A variation of of of, of absolutely of races, genders, abilities, all represented in the right way. And as said, part of representation m- 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 moving at the speeds it needs to move is there's gonna be mistakes. And that's P- the thing. People are and gonna I think- get stuff wrong. And it's if they're scared of that that will that that will move at a snail's pace.
1: And that's yeah. what I think that there's too much of at the top of the tree is, yeah. oh, we can't do that because if we get it wrong, we're going to get sued. Yeah. And that's not yeah. that's not what it is. It's about it's it's about opening dialogue and having conversation. And I think that's yeah. so important and not being afraid to ask stupid, in inverted commas, questions. It's just really important to be able to to to, to have a starting point. Yeah. Nothing's going to change if people don't just take sight the
0: bullet and just do it stammer are always trying to get across just give us a ring <laughs> just, just, I mean if you're nervous about because again I'm I it's a tough one and we we've not got time to get into this now but I don't necessarily believe that all characters who have a stammer have to be played by someone who has a stammer mm-hmm. I think someone who has a stammer should always be seen yeah absolutely be, 100% it, 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 it should be a, a battle but I want more characters with stammers I, I don't it doesn't have to be. But if you're casting somebody who doesn't have a stammer, hit up the professionals to get advice and guidance and stuff exactly. like the best, The best example I've seen recently was in, in, in Brassic. And the lad who had a stammer in that doesn't have a stammer in, in real life. But he got coached by one of the people who works at stammer. And really, it showed. I was just watching the show and I was like, oh shit, have they cast a guy who's got a stammer? And then it turns out he hasn't. It's like, well, that means... They've done it right then. They've done it well. It's not going like the old uh-huh. characters who have <laughs> I was going to do bad impressions then, but it's too I was going to say we, we, we,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: we can we don't leave need it to go. there. We don't need um, to go
1: there. We don't need to go there.
0: But I'm 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 conscious of your times, so I want to wrap things up. And I just want to ask what is ahead because on my n- 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 notes was when are you going to be doing more writing and when are we going to see stuff that you've created? And you've already touched upon that obviously being, you know, part of a focus so
1: absolutely so um probably since lockdown it it, i i actually thought okay so i actually should put my degree to good use now now's the perfect time yeah i have found it the most challenging yeah wonderful Mm -hmm. torturous but joyful thing it's a completely different discipline and i am easily distracted as I was going to say, as, it's, it's,
0: it's a unique, it's an individual discipline as well, though, because you can't just, I mean. someone can tell you how they do it and it's oh not going to work God. for you. It's, and
1: yeah. also, you'll have days where you just can't do it. You'll have days yeah. where you're just like, my brain just won't operate today in the way I need it to, I to be I, able I, to I, create I, something I, decent.
0: I booked a week away to get writing done once and I got about, four pages done and I was fuming the day I got back you finished it I wrote about 30 pages yeah I literally I stormed through it because part of that week away was allowing myself right forget the pressure of it let the the ideas move around in your brain I'd walk around I'd go to cinemas but I'd made that conscious switch to being in the mode of that story so even if I wasn't getting it on paper it doesn't matter it was all moving and yeah it's a weird and
1: I have found it really challenging To be able to, like, I'm a social (laughs) nightmare, so I'm like, let's go do this. Should we go and do this? Should we go and have coffee and stuff when I know I should be writing? Um, So to lock myself away in my office and sit and write sounded at the beginning incredibly terrifying and hideous. But I have absolutely loved the whole process of learning how to develop a script, learning how to develop characters, learning how to redraft, learning how to take notes from your commissioner all of those different things it's um it's it's a different thing but at the same time i know um i and i truly do feel that being an actor makes me a better writer and i yeah. do think being a writer makes me a better actor so yeah. because you as actors we know what is shit dialogue so we're never going to write shit dialogue
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> so exactly. um
1: it's um w- it's sh- we've
0: had to say shit dialogue exactly. we don't want to put someone through that exactly
1: <laughs> exactly so um yeah it, it's a fantastic thing to say that i'm doing and i am at, that is actually at the, mi- at the minute that is the body of my work which is i'm on i'm learning about all sorts the pressures of deadlines when i have writer's block and all of that excitement mm-hmm. i've I, I went through a phase a few weeks ago of apparently only being productive at one o'clock in the morning till like four who knew I was the weirdest weirdest things ever like I I got up yesterday on a Sunday of all times and I was like I I I know what I need to write I've got this really good thing and I'm sat there on a Sunday I'm like what are you doing you lunatic but I've I've learned that it comes when it comes and if if it's not going to come, there's no point in sitting there trying yeah. to force it out. Because if if you're in that kind of headspace, whatever comes out is going to be shit anyway. So yeah, yeah that's that's pretty much the stuff that I'm doing. I just uh, we're on the All edge right. now. Fingers crossed, heading towards that green light. I'm keeping everything crossed, but it's uh, it's a fantastic learning experience, fantastic, and know, I'm yeah. I'm I'm really really excited to 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 share stuff. I'm excited now. If it happens, I will literally go into hiding and never come out until, of course, it's done. As it but should be, I, of course. Why on earth would I want to enjoy <laughs> that part? But it's uh, yeah, it's it's great. So that's what I have been focusing on a lot of. I've done a lot of filming this year, which is exciting too. That yeah. you know isn't going to come out until God knows when. So when it comes out, I'll be able to talk about it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm very lucky that I've been kept very busy. And uh, I'm very excited to see what next
0: year has in store. I love it. I can't w- wait to see all that's ahead. And I really appreciate you taking the time. I was, I was really pleased that we could line this up. And, oh, uh, me yeah, too, it's mate. Been Thank you
1: so much for asking me. I was so excited. I love your stuff. So And I love your podcast. So when, when, when you asked, I was like, uh, yes, please.
0: Let's do so, that. Well, that's perfect. Well, I'm going to press stop.
1: Oh, it's been awesome. I'm going to press stop on mine too.
0: It's been an absolute joy.
1: You've been listening to Scroobius Pips distraction pieces.
0: There we go. That was Ruth. How wonderful is Ruth? A day or two after this was recorded, my partner B, who's been a creator in residence at the BBC, was at a speech that um, was being given by Russell T Davis. And I was like, if you get a chance to talk to him, tell him how amazing, tell him about the conversation me and Ruth have had that isn't available yet, but about how he managed to pull off the perfect representation. I mean, we've talked about it all there. I think that was too much for B to try and and get in. I think they just had a chat and were excited. So that was lovely. But yeah, what a legend that man is. And what a legend Ruth is. And what a legend Lenny Rush is. Tune in on Friday. Honestly, you're going to love this conversation. It's a slightly shorter one than normal, but it's a really strong one. And, And Lenny's just astounding. Only the second... 12 or 13 year old I had on. I had my goddaughter on in the um, the Where's Your Head At series as we were coming out of lockdowns. But um, yeah, it's a really good chat. I think you're going to enjoy it. So I'll see you on Friday. Until then, stay safe and stay sane. Ta-ta.